verse 6, Colossians chapter 2, says this, In the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you're continually infused with strength and courage in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Verse 8. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Verse 9. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. I'm going to read that again because that's ridiculous. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Verse 11, through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just, we fix our eyes and our thoughts on you as we study the text this morning. Lord, my cry is that your voice would be the loudest voice, that you would speak to hearts, you would move hearts. We give you our ears, Lord, this morning as we unwrap and and really study the text. Jesus, just come have first place in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, hey, so verse six, go back with me. Paul says, in the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. The ESV would say, so walk in him. I just want to pull something really simple from this first verse. I grew up believing that you could have this one-time encounter with Jesus, and then after that, it would all begin to make sense. And what's interesting is that's how lots of us have viewed God growing up, that someday you'll have this encounter with Jesus, and then afterwards, like, life is going to be, you know, perfect and awesome, and everything's going to click. And what Paul is inviting in this verse is not just receiving Jesus, but to daily walk in him and with him through everything that you do. It's not this one-time encounter, which is beautiful. The word in itself, in the Greek, it means to make one's way, to walk, to progress, to make due use of opportunities. It's the Hebrew word for to live. And when I realized that after making the greatest decision of life to receive the gift of Jesus that he actually had more for me, that I could walk daily with him, it forever changed the way that I view the scriptures and the gospel. And this is what Paul is going to challenge us in this, in this passage here, is to make Jesus the source of everything. He goes on in verse 7. He says, Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you're continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. I want to look at this word continually infused. It means to build upon or to build up, 
The Greek word is, is rooted in the same word that means to build a house. So here's how I look at it. When you receive Jesus, it's like he comes to you and says, hey, I purchased this land and this foundation for you. It wasn't free. I purchased it. But for you, it's completely free. You just have to say yes and step into it. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And choosing to walk in daily union with him is like sitting down and unrolling this paper and him partnering with you and writing the blueprint for this house and then actually going out and building it. If you've ever built a house before, it can be really complicated. It can be a messy process. There's a lot that goes into it. I recently just remodeled my living room. Uh, we pulled up all the carpet and we you know, scraped all the nails and everything. We laid the underboard, uh, if you like my proper terminology. And then we laid the glue and we had this vinyl plank. Are there any like do-it-yourself like people or dads out there, like sweat equity into the home? Like we're going to, yeah, I hate you. I totally hate you because my wife sees you. And she thinks that I'm supposed to be that person. And I, I'm not. You should, I mean, for like three or four days, right? I'd get off work and do a shift till like one in the morning. I could barely walk the next day. I was like making cuts and it would be wrong and I'd have to go back and then there's glue and now there's glue everywhere and it's drying quicker than I want it to and I don't know what to do and it's this process. And I'm reminded, sometimes that's what it's like in your journey of faith with Jesus. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes you get going one way and, oh, no, this is not it. And you're trying to figure out how to walk with him. The word means to build upon, to build up. Sometimes it's messy. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not this one-time encounter. It's a daily invitation. And Paul understands this isn't going to be a perfect journey. He, he gets it. This is why it's the first time in the letter that Paul will say, be aware or pay attention. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths, the anointed one. So let's consider the history just for a moment. Paul is writing this in the first century. During this time... There were so many Roman gods being worshipped that if you tried to study individually each Roman god, it would take lifetimes to thoroughly go through them. And Paul, being raised in Tarsus, being a Roman citizen, very educated in the law, would have been familiar with these Roman gods. And we can read this and, and maybe think that Paul is saying, hey, don't be taken captive by some of these false gods that Rome is worshiping. But there's lots of scholars that would think something different because of what Paul is going to address in this verse. Let's look at the word. We're going to pull it apart. He says, beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you. The word in the Greek, I'll put it on the screen, is sulagagon. Everyone say sulagagon. It's kind of a goofy word. It's a pun. It's a really rare Greek word. And all it means is to take someone captive. That Greek letter that you see there is the third letter in sulagagon. And if all you do with this letter is flip it upside down, the word becomes something completely different. The word becomes synagogon, taking you in to the synagogue. So in Roman culture, you were by law required to show up on a regular basis and worship and sacrifice the gods of Rome and to Caesar. But the Romans learned something about the Jewish people very early on. 
They learned that they would never show up to worship these Roman gods or to worship Caesar. So the Romans, being pragmatic, they made a deal with the Jewish people. They said, okay, you don't need to show up to worship our gods or, or worship Caesar, but when you pray and worship to your God, pray, pray for Rome, pray for Caesar. And they had no problem doing that. So the Romans basically gave a free pass to the Jewish people that by law said, if you're a Jew, you don't have to show up and worship these gods. Obviously, for faithful Roman citizens, this could become a little bit irritating or frustrating that you're by law required to show up. But they knew that Rome wrote this law for the Jews that they didn't have to show up. And suddenly, in a town like Colossae, people are meeting Jesus. People are receiving him and continuing to daily walk in him. And now we have people that aren't Jewish saying, hey, I'm not going to worship the gods of Rome anymore. I'm not going to worship Caesar. Imagine the local authorities in Colossae during this time. How could a Gentile, someone who's not Jewish, say that they are worshiping the one true God, but they're not in the synagogue? They're not in the. What's, I just imagine the confusion. This could cause a revolt and an uprising in Colossae. So lots of scholars would think that the Jewish people began inviting these new believers that were receiving Jesus to attend the synagogue to follow the Torah, to follow the dietary laws and the Sabbath. And Paul is saying, absolutely not. Paul understands that the Romans would accept this. There's already a free pass for the Jewish people. It's likely that the Jewish people didn't want this revolt to happen, and so they started inviting people, and Paul says, don't be taken captive. He, he's making a statement. Paul is saying, Jesus is Israel's Messiah. He is the Lord of the world, and he is enough. I want to be really clear as, as we unpack this. This is not a discussion of Judaism versus Christianity. That's not what I'm pointing at. What I see in the scriptures is that anything added to or taken away from the fullness of Jesus actually has the opportunity to lead us into captivity. And this is what Paul is saying. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that standards are, are an okay thing to have. But the moment our standards replace our intimacy with Jesus, we become no different than the synagogue thousands of years ago, requiring rules and regulations to replace the fullness of Jesus. I love Vintage City Church. This was my home before I was hired on here. This is where I would choose to go even if I, I didn't work here. I absolutely love the movement and worship. I love the expression that God is doing on this church. I love the way that we study the scriptures. But the moment that I make vintage, or any church for that matter, my source of intimacy with God, I am actually led into captivity. I'm missing the point, and I'm operating as the synagogue did. This is what Paul is cautioning to these young believers in this town. Look at what he says in verse 9. He says, For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. This is one of the strongest Christological statements in all of the New Testament. He, Jesus, is completely full of God and he's dwelling in a visible body. And there's more. Verse 10, look at it. He says, Our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. 
man, have you allowed that verse to play in your mind and just to absolutely penetrate the core of who you are. Your own completeness is now found in him. You're completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. So verse 11, this is the moment where Paul begins to address some of the things that the Jewish people would hold to. This is what he says. He says, through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. Pause for a second. Through you receiving Jesus and daily walking intimately with him, you have already experienced circumcision of heart. That is what Paul's getting at here. And he continues, he says, all of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. So there's two main features that would distinct Jewish people from the world. The first one was the temple. But in a town like Colossae, that was in Jerusalem. In, in this town, it would have been circumcision and the Torah, the dietary laws and the Sabbath. And Paul is saying, listen, when you receive Jesus and continue walking in him, you've already experienced circumcision. There can only be one thing that separates you and I from the world. And that is receiving and daily walking in the fullness of Jesus. It is the presence of God through spending daily time with him, going wherever you are, not just at the church but in the community and in the workplace that you live in. This is not an easy idea, by the way. This is, this is not like, oh yeah, it should be real easy to follow. This is the narrow road. This is difficult. You have to understand, for some in Colossae during this time, it would have been easier for them to join the synagogue, to follow the Torah, the dietary laws, to be circumcised, because the Romans were already accepting that idea. See, I personally grew up in the church, and when I went to Bible college, I watched a lot of really incredible, amazing people build a life of standards for the Lord. Notice how it's possible to build standards and rules for the Lord, as if we think the Father needs something more than you stepping into the fullness of Jesus. I think when we build standards and rules and it begins to replace our daily intimacy with him, what we're actually declaring to the Father is that Jesus isn't enough for my life. It's a scary place to live from. Replacing intimacy with him, daily time with him for standards can sometimes become easier because the world accepts it. The world does not accept Jesus, but they do sometimes with standards and rules. In fact, they get excited for you. Oh, this is where I go to the gym. This is what I eat. This is what I don't do. This is what I do. Here's what I wear. Here's what I don't wear. And it begins to replace the daily time with him. This is what I see Paul addressing. The problem with the model of just building standards for the Lord and letting it replace your intimacy with him is that when life gets difficult, when life gets really frustrating or confusing or a problem that you're faced with happens in life, it doesn't stand. It completely falls apart. I watched a lot of really people go through that. And Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
In verse 11, look at what he says. He says, for no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. He could not have been any clearer in the scripture. He goes on in verse 12 and 13. He says, the quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent, whether it's been built with gold, silver, and costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw. Their work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear because it will be revealed by blazing fire, and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. Church, the only thing that is going to last is how we receive and daily walk with Jesus. All of it goes away. All the rest of it goes away. See, I found myself getting out of Bible college and running as far away from church and religion as I possibly could. I could not stand what religion was doing to people. And what's interesting is in my pursuit to not be religious, I was actually taken captive by critical, cynical, and judgmental thinking towards the religion that hurt me, and I became religious in trying not to be religious. I was filled with things that I would never do, filled with things that I would do. I was operating as the synagogue does. See, religion will teach you that it's never enough, and you should work more for it. Running away from religion, becoming bitter, frustrated, pointing back at it, being so hurt, so confused, will in itself make you more religious. I would like to suggest that both are missing the point. Because in both of those examples, you are captive. When you receive Jesus and daily walk with him, you are a free person. See, the gift of Jesus was not just so that we could spend eternity with him, which, by the way, is enough. Like, think about that. For eternity, we will spend time with him, beholding him. For eternity, forever, we will behold him. That is enough, but there is a reality that when you receive him, God wants to partner with you and walk daily with you in this building up and building a house idea. See, this is the heartbeat of vintage, that we would be a people so consumed with the presence of God from spending daily time with him that wherever we go, our lives would be overflowing because we have embraced the fullness of Jesus Christ. Can I invite just some of us back into the daily journey with Jesus? If you've ever walked with Jesus and it's been messy, can I just say welcome? <laughs> Sometimes life is messy. It is. Jesus never said, follow me and life will be easy. He just said, follow me and whatever you go through, I'm willing to stand with you through all of it. Maybe you're here and, and standards and rules come really, really easy for you. It's something that, that you grew up in. It's something that, that's just come really, really easy. I don't think that standards and rules are a bad thing. See, I personally have standards in my life that keep bumping me into intimacy with him. But the moment that they replace our intimacy with him is when we become captive. Maybe standards are easy for you. 
can I just remind you, the only thing that is going to last is how you received and walked with Jesus. That's not the standards that you put in place. If they help you walk more with Jesus, praise God. Maybe you're here and you're, you're really hurt by the church or religion. And maybe you've been in a season of bitterness, of frustration, of how could you, I can't believe it. Can I just remind you that when we live from a place of bitterness and frustration and hurt, you have actually been taken captive into a life that Jesus never intended for you. The point was that we would receive him and daily walk with him. I'm not saying your hurt isn't real. I'm not suppressing that idea. What I'm saying is we're not meant to live from anything else other than the fullness of Jesus. The invitation that I see in Colossians is to receive Jesus, to daily walk with him so much so that your life would be a statement to the world that he is enough. Religion and culture will always offer something different. Always. This isn't a new thing. Paul is reminding people in a culture filled with opinion, with law, with judging different things, that Jesus is enough and he will forever be. Can I ask you just to consider something, to just allow the Lord to search your heart for a moment? And can you ask yourself the question, is Jesus enough in my life? Are there areas where I'm, I'm not allowing him, I'm not embracing the fullness of Jesus? Are standards and rules getting in the way of intimacy with him? Or are they pushing you closer? Are you living from a place of bitterness and hurt and frustration and not allowing the fullness of Jesus to enter and heal your heart? That's the gift that I see in Colossians chapter two. Will you stand with me? I wanna pray us out.